Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and tonight I'm flying solo and we have a great interview for you um, from Hansi Oppenheimer, who is uh, the visionary behind All Hell the Popcorn King, a documentary about Joe Lansdale, which I freaking love. It was fantastic. It was a great documentary, and you should find it and watch it. Um, right now, the project is uh, looking for distribution, but on the website, um, which I love this name, squeeprojects.com. Um, Squee Projects uh, back the documentary as part of the production of doc- the documentary, and um, on the website, the special edition of the DVD for Popcorn, All Hell the Popcorn King is sold out. But if you go on the website, you will find some fantastic goodies like the Joe Lansdale Enamel pin that has um, four of his fantastic um, books along with a little popcorn bucket. And it's cute and it's on sale right now for $10. There's also a the drive-in All Hell the Popcorn King necklace that you can get as well on the website. Um, but Hansi is um, a fangirl at heart. She is all about celebrating the things that she loves. And uh, she has been making low to non-budget documentaries for a while now. And All Hell the Popcorn King is definitely a, um, a labor of love for her. She's a massive Lansdale fan. She discovered him a long time ago, just like I did. Um, and uh, she... She knows that Lansdale's the man. Uh, This is such a great doc. It's fantastic to learn things about Joe Lansdale that you may not have known about. It's great to see his life and see his just as eccentric and wonderful as you would hope to be. And um, he can probably break your arm pretty easy because he can do that. And he puts that on display um, in the documentary. So uh, definitely look for it. It's making the rounds of festivals right now. As I said, it's looking for distribution. Hansi's a great interview. Um, She's smart, she's savvy, uh, and she knows how to do these docs um, and make them with very little budget. And uh, she makes them on her own. uh, She does a lot of the the jobs that go into making these things happen. So um, you're gonna love hearing from her. Uh, just one thing before we get to that interview, I just wanted to talk about, you know, this week is the week of San Diego Comic-Con, and sadly, we're not there, um, but it did uh, start today with Comic-Con at home, and uh, of course, as you would expect, Funko exploded, and there were a lot of people that didn't get through, uh, a lot of people that were stuck in this rotating circle of doom um queue that they had going on so pretty much like you would expect for a funko at at san diego comic-con they really kind of brought that experience home for everybody waiting in line for half an hour and getting up there and not being able to buy anything that you wanted pretty much how it goes with funko at comic-con um luckily i made mine i got one thing that i wanted and uh i managed to to buck the system and i got my sex panther my Sex Panther Funko Pop of Paul Rudd that's scented like Sex Panther. I got one. I managed to. It's the, like the only thing I got from San Diego Comic-Con this year um, other than depression because I'm not there. But um, it's going to be a great week for um, everyone uh, anyway because there's going to be multiple panels, as we know, that are going to be streamed 
on YouTube via Comic-Con's uh, channel on there. And that is going to include, um, I believe it's Friday, Saturday? Saturday. Um, I believe it's Saturday. I'll have to look at the schedule. But uh, Keanu Reeves is showing up for the 15-year anniversary of the Constantine film that he did, which I loved. It's not the... the the DC Constantine so much, but it's still freaking great. And I, um, it's got one of the best representations of Satan ever, um, with Peter Stramari just being gross. Oh, I loved it. Um, anyway, it's the 15 year anniversary of Constantine. And a lot of people have been saying that they, um, there's a lot of people thinking that this is a way for them to just get an announcement out there that uh, Keanu Reeves is coming back as John Constantine uh, in a film because there's been a lot of rumors about that. And, I mean, it's kind of weird that, you know, there, that movie has split a fan base uh, quite a bit with people that love love it like i i love it i i i know there are diehard constantine fans like i said it split the fan base because then you have these guys over here that absolutely hate it because it's keanu reeves john constantine is supposed to be um you know british he's supposed to be blonde he's supposed to be matt ryan basically and i agree matt ryan to me is a definitive john constantine i don't disagree with that at all but i like Keanu Reeves is John Constantine in these films. He's bitter, jaded, great, looks fantastic. He still looks fantastic. He's a freaking vampire. But um, I really, really loved uh, that movie and enjoyed it. Loved the world and the myth and everything that they worked in there from the comics. And just, it looked great. And uh, so it's kind of interesting that out of what they could be doing panels on, they're going to be doing a rando 15-year panel for that movie that was a pretty it was a it was success it wasn't a blockbuster by any stretch when it came out but it's grown with a cult following over the years and i find it interesting that that's what they picked to have a panel on so i'm calling it that at that john constantine panel um uh that they are going to or sorry the constantine 15-year anniversary panel um that they are going to announce he's going to be doing another movie because a lot of people have been talking about they want Keanu to be um, either in Mar they're talking about having him in Marvel they're talking about having him uh, in back in DC as John Constantine and it, he's already established himself here so I'm thinking that that is probably going to happen uh, can't guarantee it I'm not, I don't know anything special, but it's odd to me that they are going to be having this panel um, at all. Uh, of course, he is going to be there um, for the Bill and Ted panel same day, you know, um, but it's interesting to me. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, the, the, the panels are going to be great. Um, I'm curious to see how they work, though, with the bigger panels and if the bandwidth and the strength of the stream are going to be a, a problem because they, um, David Glan Glanzer, um, who is 
uh, one of the heads of, up at Comic-Con has um, shared uh, when I was, um, I, I kind of dived into a, an interview he did on Zinni 62 um, and asked some questions because I wanted to know um, if they were going to be showing any kind of footage uh, during the show, um, during the panels that were, you know, like they do at Comic-Con where it's exclusive content. And he did say that there's a very strong possibility of that. So um, with some of these, he couldn't, he couldn't give word on what, of course, because they like surprising us with this stuff. I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be some stuff from the Bill and Ted movie. We'll definitely have that. Um, I also have no doubt that the, um, the Walking Dead panel will have that as well. So um, just keep your eyes open and your ears peeled. I think I said that wrong. Ears open and eyes peeled for news to come out because it's going to hit. It's going to hit hard, and it will be hitting um, this week from, as always. But um, the ones that I would choose for you to watch, um, I've already made my list. Um, and some of these panels will be up um, for you uh, for a limited time so if you can't make it like a lot of these I can't make um, because I was stupid but you can't blame me because you know it's the end times um, when I found out they were canceling Comic-Con I just canceled the days off I'd requested for it now I can't get them because they're all packed so pity my ass um, <laughs> so here's my choices for the Comic-Con panels to check out um, starting tomorrow um, hopefully you'll have listened to this before then. If not, know that you have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday ahead of you. Um, so tomorrow, which is Thursday, the 23rd, my picks are the Amazon Prime Truth Seekers show, with, which is the new series starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost um, that they are going to be doing where they play ghost hunters. Uh, that will be at 12 p.m. PST. All of these times are PST, by the way. Uh, the Boys Season 2 uh, um, panel, which I'm sure will have footage, uh, is at 3 p.m. And then at 6 o'clock, there will be a Mystery Science, 3000, Mystery Science Theater 3000 reunion panel. So you definitely want to check that out. Um, Friday is the Dead Day, which is typical. Typical um, scheduling for um, AMC. They have one day that they do all of their stuff. So Friday at 12 p.m. will be Fear the Walking Dead at 1 o'clock, The Walking Dead. And then at 2 p.m., the show that no one really asked for, um, Walking Dead um, World Beyond will be, um, will be there, which is what I've been lovingly calling Baby Walking Dead. And then at 5 p.m., uh, Joss Whedon will be taking the Zoom. And uh, that should be interesting considering all of this bad blood and horrible stuff that's being said about him, which I don't believe because he seems, you know, he's got a pretty loyal group of actors that follow him around. And if he was a dick, I think they wouldn't have anything to do with him. But that's just my way of thinking. Um, but he will be on at 5 p.m. and it will be an all Joss panel. Saturday, the 25th, is the day of Keanu. Uh, at noon will be the Constantine 15-year um, anniversary. God, we're old. And Rachel Weiss looks the same. But so does Keanu. So maybe it's that movie. So does Shia LaBeouf, though. Except for that giant frickin' chest tattoo he just got. Um, at 3 o'clock will be Bill and Ted. 
at 4 p.m. Lovecraft Country, which is going to be fantastic, and that's the new series on HBO. At 5 p.m., um, there will be the What We Do in the Shadows panel, and I'm excited for that. I love that show. Um, and then uh, on Sunday, there's really two panels that I think everybody should watch. Um, 1 o'clock is going to be the Red Dwarf panel. Yay, Red Dwarf. And then at 2 p.m., Nathan Fillion takes the Zoom, and we'll have a whole panel for a conversation with Nathan Fillion. So uh, that is my picks for Comic-Con at home this year. Um, they've already started, as you know, I talked about Funko, but there are tons and tons of exclusives. Mondo is doing different things every day. They're doing time drops. They um, sold out already of a really beautiful variant on a Star Wars poster that went up today that stupidly expensive merman figure for $250 sold out that's sold out would you pay $250 for merman mm. so that's gone um but there will be um recurring drops and things they do have a really cool setup for the vendors area and the the you know the floor um, and an artist alley area as well where you can go on the the map of what would you know, if you were in the convention center, and you can click on the, the vendors and be taken to, uh, you know, what they're selling, what they have available, and you can buy it, which is kind of neat. That's kind of neat. That's a good way to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, they're doing their best to make it feel like San Diego Comic-Con, especially Funko with their line of weight of doom for nothing. Um but, um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have this right now. It's nice to give somebody, you know, it gives us something to do and look forward to in a time when we really need that. So uh, I'm very grateful for it. And even though I can't partake of any of these panels, I will be watching them after they air. So there you go. Um, anyway, my fellow geeks and, and uh, nerds, uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, I know it's it sucks right now for a lot of us. Um, you know, basically everything's canceled this year. Um, but just stay safe, stay positive, use Zoom, get online, talk to people. You're not alone, especially right now with everything. Um, with this San Diego Comic Con, it's kind of bringing everybody together to talk about their things that they love, and that's what this is about. And um, there's a lot of ways to join the, you know, be together, um, even though we're apart. Uh, one thing I'm really happy about and a friend, my friends are doing um, at least once a week, if not twice, is taking part in Amazon Prime watch parties. Uh, Netflix had this and now Amazon Prime has it where you can um, join together and chat while you're watching a movie and you can plan it and send the links out and up to 100 people can be in there and watching with you. And it's really fun because Amazon Prime has a lot of crazy stuff that you can dig through and, and find, like old Dracula and Saturday the 14th, Blackula. Um, they have a lot of just kooky, weird um, stuff to watch. And it's fun just to get together and hang out with your friends and talk while you're watching the movie together, you know. You can even do it, you know, if you want to sync up and watch it via Zoom and so you can see each other, great. Um, it, there's ways to get around it, the, the not being together and um, have your own little mini con and mini film festivals, which is nice. So, you know, I know you guys are tired of it. I know you guys are sick of it, but we'll get through it. We'll, we'll get through it. 
this is going to take time. Um, and uh, I know, you know, we wish we would have been over this already. All the conventions are uh, canceling, but it's for the best because you don't want this crap um, at all. I have friends that have had it and they're still recuperating and it's been two months, three months in some instances where they, they're still recuperating. So, and they're not old, they're in their thirties and been, they've got knocked on their ass and, and almost had to be ventilated. So, you know, it's serious, take it seriously, but also take care of your minds and your hearts um, and keep yourself sane because it's rough, I know. But you're not by yourself. I'm here, my friends are here, my, my fellow fangirls are here. Usually, they're not here today, but um, we're here for you. And you know, you always feel free to reach out on social media and say hi to me. I'm happy to talk to you, because I know it's rough. And um, we're here for you, and we care about you um, guys that um, are out there listening. And you know, just take care of yourselves. And enjoy the stuff that you love. You know, watch your movies, read your books, play the games. Um, you know, do the stuff that you love, and and you'll get through it. So with that, speaking of stuff that you love, let's get to Hansi Oppenheimer and talk about Joe Lansdale. And again, if you've never read Joe Lansdale, you need to go out and read Joe R. Lansdale. Um, Joe Lansdale does what I call Texas noir. And he is amazing. He does all different genres. He's done comics, he's done movies, he's just everything. And um, he is amazing. And he did an entire short story where Joe Bob Briggs was a character in it. Um, he has written some of the best books I have ever read. Uh, and the Happen Leonard TV series is all based off of his Happen Leonard series that he wrote. He is amazing. Um, he could be a character in one of his own books, and he probably is. Um, so I am very excited to uh, share this conversation with Hansi with you. Uh, we both squee a little bit about Joe Lansdale because you all should. And with that, I will talk to you next week. Um, and I hope you guys stay safe again. Please do. And uh, here is Hansi Oppenheimer to talk about All Hail the Popcorn King. We will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome to Fangirl Radio the – wow, you did, like, everything on this, by the way. Like, direct, wrote, <laughs> produced, <laughs> camera, Miss um, Hansi Oppenheimer, the lady behind The Popcorn King, All Hail the Popcorn King, the wonderful documentary about Joe Lansdale, Miss Hansi Oppenheimer, to Fangirl Radio. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks I, for having I, me on. Yeah, thank you. I I really I'm I'm I was sort of in awe of it because I'm like reading the thing. I'm like, well, she did that. She did that. She did that. She did that. What was <laughs> what was the process for you to make this? Because you literally did like every almost everything involving the the film. Yeah, everything except the editing. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. I, I'm I'm I work outside the system and I work with an incredibly low budget and um, I I just find that making my own indie films is you know the best way for me to work so and I 
I found when I was doing interviews that, you know, if I asked someone at a con to do an interview for me, you know, everyone has their own interview style. So I I really felt like, you know, I need to do the interviews. Um, And I like shooting. I like production. I really enjoy that part. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love doing it, you know, and, you know, I basically, you know, ran up my credit cards to make it. And, um, you know, there's, there's certain freedom to that, but then there's also limitations in terms of time and equipment and who you can hire and all that. So a lot of it, I just did myself because no one else was going to do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> no, I under, I understand that one. Um, so I, I know it's kind of a weird way. I've discovered Joe Lansdale a long time ago. How did you dis- how how did you discover Joe Lansdale and what interested you with him and what was the first story you read? It kind of all kind of goes together when you find a Lansdale and you are introduced to to that world and, and his writing. It it's a moment, <laughs> at least it was for me. <laughs> <laughs> he has such a unique voice. You know, like once you've read a couple of things of his, especially if you've heard him read a couple of things of his, you never hear it in another voice. It's always, you know, Joe's voice, which, you know, is, you know, as good as it gets, right? But um, I I discovered him in the 80s, like late 80s uh, during the Splatterpunk wave. Um, along with, you know, David Scow and Skip Inspector and Mick Harris. And I think it's hard because it's so long ago. Um, but I I think the night at the horror show is in silver scream. And I think that might've been the first thing I read, but I also fell in love with the magic wagon and the drive-in because they're like two of my favorite books of his, um, and I, I loved his run on Jonah Hex because I, I love weird Westerns and there's not enough of them. And he does them so well. Um, Amen. I would love to see him do and, and get Bruce Campbell in there. Cause why not? But uh, a sequel to this vampire film, I love called sundown, the vampire in retreat. That's kind of a weird Western vampire movie that had Bruce Campbell in it as a Van Helsing. And I think that Joe would just do something insane with that. What is that called? I've never heard of that film. Oh, it's great. It's called Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat. And um, it's got a ton of genre people in it. Um, Maxwell Caulfield is the bad guy. Um, uh, David Carradine plays Dracula. Oh, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> oh, it's anytime I bring that up, people were like, what? Well, his what mom movies? Dracula, so, yeah, I, mean, I know. It's it's perfect. Yeah. But um, but he it yeah, I uh it's one of my favorite vampire movies from like the late eighties or I think it's early nineties. And um yeah, it's fantastic. Um, oh, I'll have to find it. Yeah, it's, I love it, Bruce. Bruce is just you know, in fact I'm I'm currently Although there's no cons this year, I'm currently working on a Victorian Sam Ash <laughs> cosplay. <laughs> that <laughs> is a corset, and you know the shotgun and the chainsaw and the blood everywhere. <laughs> oh, that is great! I yeah, pictures please. That that sounds amazing. Um, so within this, 
what was the most surprising thing that you discovered about Joe and his, his, his work and, and how he works? Um, I think the, the most surprising thing is what a good person he is. You know, I mean, I've, I've worked with a, a lot of my heroes and um, while I love them, you know, they can be flawed human beings, you know, and, and Joe is just the most generous, like kindest, you know, most helpful person I've ever worked with. He always like, you know, gives me a shout out, gives me advice. Like I, I tease him and say, he's my Yoda. Cause like, he'll say something to me and I'll be like, Oh my God, my mind is blown. And then like, I'll mention it to him the next day. I was like, what you said to me was total Yoda. He's like, I have no idea what I said, but I'm glad it helped. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh he's, he's fascinating because he's like, the things that are important to him are the things in the film. It's, you know, he's writing, his family, his dog, and martial arts. And those, you know, those are, you know, and then all the ways he's helped other creators along the way. And you can see that from all those, you know, interviews I did, like everybody has respect for the way he's treated them and helped them and given them advice. Um, he's, yeah, he's an unusually moral, really decent human being. <laughs> well, and, and that kind of piggybacks onto what I, um, what I was wanting to ask you as well was he comes from an area that is sort of known for conservatism and, you know, kind of being very, uh, you know, close, I don't want to say close minded, but it kind of is, you know, that area. He's Cause not, I'm not, but I mean, he isn't. That's no, not at thing. all. He's um. How did he? He, he break from that? <laughs> liberal, you know, and conservative, right? You know, and he judges them on their behavior. You know, he doesn't judge them based on their politics. You know, um, although get him going on politics, and he'll go on for a while. Oh yeah, <laughs> he has some strong thoughts. But you know, I mean, he his brother went in the military. He didn't. And they both were patriotic and they both were doing it for patriotic reasons. So that's sort of like the Happen Leonard thing too. Exactly, like, yeah. you know, one avoided the draft and one went in the military and they both believed they were doing the right thing for the country, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, it, you know, that's yeah, who kinda, he is. It kind of hit home for me with that um, because I've kind of been the, I, I grew up in a, a very, very bad well i don't want to say it's not bad but it's a very conservative part of the country and there was a lot of racism and things like that and i managed to break out of it and so seeing him and and knowing that he is creating these stories that fly in the face of that and also talk about it and do it in such a way that's so skillful and beautiful with Happen Leonard specifically, I mean, to this day, my husband, I introduced him to those books. I'm like, I don't care what you're doing. You're reading these. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to read these books and you're going to thank me for it. So he'd go and, and go off in a room and I'd hear him reading and, and I'd just hear random cackling. and and so it just really hit home for me seeing that and seeing that yeah okay you know it you can break a cycle or or not have to conform to that area and be yourself um and stand out and i thought that was great i mean he 
it's in there. It's in the books, you know, that these are two men who love each other like brothers, you know, and take care of each other. And, you know, race is an issue with them, you know, um, and, and, you know, he's talking about it, but not hitting you over the head with it. You know, he makes it into the story. So it's sort of like seeps into your brain and you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, he's very <laughs> clever about it. <laughs> he, he is. And, and that's something else I wanted to talk to you about was his, it, he's infinitely readable, if that's a phrase. Yeah. And yeah. I, he does what I call, I, I almost describe it, I try to describe it as like Texas noir. It's in, in one sense with what he does. I mean, he... He, you know, especially with Happen Leonard, that's completely that. I mean, to me, that's that's a Texas noir genre that he yeah, created. I mean, it's, sure. and, he, and he, quite a few of his books, like Called in July. Um, I mean, there's a he's written many, you know, noirish. Um, and he also wrote, you know, for Batman. I mean, he's he definitely is, you know, and he loves noir too. In fact, I'm a huge. Noir geek, you know, I have like everything like Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, all those guys, you know, I love them. And uh, Jim Thompson. And I just mentioned something about Raymond Chandler and immediately like he spit out like three perfect like Raymond <laughs> Chandlerisms. And it was just like, oh my, oh my God, how do you, you read so much? How do you remember any of it? You know, how do you retain all of that? <laughs> yeah, but he, he's like, a, like someone said, he's like a reading machine and he really is. I mean, he he reads and he remembers stuff. Well, yeah. and it's he might like, have an eidetic uh, memory. I don't know, but he, you know, he he definitely remembers stuff. Except unless the, except things he says. <laughs> yeah, then he wants to forget them. Sometimes I'm sure I, I do. I I like to forget some of the things I say. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, his, it, it reminds me a little bit, and this is kind of an oddball comparison, but one of my other favorite authors is Hunter Thompson and Thompson yeah, stood, stood out. Yeah. It's because like with him, he, and I love the, the thing about, um, where he wanted to just retype out, I think it was Hemingway or, um, where he wanted to just type it and hear the music of Hemingway, yeah. like when he typed and yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, they they kind of engulf other creators and create themselves out of them. Because um, I can right. see Lovecraft in his stuff. I can see, oh, you know, like especially with the drive-in. The drive-in um, oh, yeah. had a lot of Lovecraft, <laughs> a lot of Lovecraft in there. <laughs> you know, and he's but written, I, you know, stuff for Edgar, you know, Edgar Rice Burroughs. You know, he was part of that. You know, he wrote something that had hadn't been finished by him, and he's just, you know, he's just read everything. I mean, yeah, and and then he, like he writes so much. I mean, he's so prolific. It's like fifty novels and five hundred short stories at last. That's count. crazy. And I'm sure during the <laughs> coronavirus, he's written like another thirty books. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just stuck him in a room with a typewriter. We slide food under the door, and, and he's good. It's fine. <laughs> well, he only works three hours a day and he does it every day. And, um, you know, he's very committed to it and he enjoys it. And then he goes and does other stuff. And, you know, it's like this kind of discipline, like three hours a day. And he says like, you know, no, no matter what he does three hours a day, that's about, you know, whether it's a whole bunch of stuff or a little bunch of stuff, that's just about 
you know, where it ends, where he can only work that much. And, uh, you know, it, it was a good lesson for me because, you know, I, I would work, you know, 12, 15 hours on something and, and be killing right. myself. And then I learned like, okay, I can work like a couple hours a day and then go do other stuff. And as long as I do it every day, I'll get something done. Well, and that's why you don't burn out too. I mean, I, I've been the, with the, the virus and everything, I did something really stupid. I took on like a bunch of things at once that I wanted to do. And I got after two and a half months of it, my, I was just like on edge. Like I couldn't, I, I was like, yeah. and you, you, you realize, okay, you, you're not, if you try to overdo it, you're going to kill yourself and, <laughs> you, and it's not fun. You, you'll you want to burn out it and it's not fun anymore. Exactly. And that's the thing is like, this was all fun stuff, but then it was like, okay, you're stressing about too much and you're going to just burn out. And that, I like hearing that. I like hearing that he has, um, that's a neat way to go about it, is set specific time amount. And that's it. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, that is yeah. really smart. And apparently and it's a lot know, done in that. He, <laughs> yeah, you know, and then he gets to spend time with his family and his dog and do martial arts and whatever else he has to do. Um, you know, it's, it's, he's just a very sane human being, despite the crazy things in his head. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he gets it all out and he makes room for the sanity. It's, it's brilliant. Um, okay. So kind of along, along those lines, um, one thing that, um, uh, you know, you talked a lot about Bubba Hotep in the, in the film and the thing with Bubba Hotep that really hit me in the heart because I saw it not long after my grandfather passed away and it, I didn't realize, I mean, I was going to a Bruce Campbell movie. It's about Elvis taking on a mummy and I get in there and I'm watching this and I'd read the story, but I didn't realize how, vis- how seeing it after I'd read the story years was prior. Was your grandfather in a facility? He, uh, it was a long Long story short, I had I didn't get to see him, but he was wow. in like a, a, a hot, you know, he was he was on his deathbed, basically. And I didn't know. No one really had told me how bad it was. And um, and so I got to see him. I mean, he, he I literally walked in the door and he died. Uh, so it was it. he waited long and it was not a good day yeah. for me. Um, but watching this i i didn't realize i was going to start bawling in the middle of a theater because of <laughs> what you know i'm watching yeah. this and i'm like um it had it was the weird it's a weird story it's a bizarre story like a lot of his stories but in the middle of it is he has this gift of creating a heart in the middle of the weirdness and a soul in the middle of the weirdness that gets you. And that, that movie and that experience, I wasn't prepared for how much it was going to hit me with what was going on personally. And he just really created something beautiful about um, the elderly and you know, they aren't, they aren't done yet. You know, it's, you have to, you know, respect them and they can still do, you know, you don't throw them away basically. 
And that just really got me. Well, my understanding is that he was writing that um, he was visiting his mother in a facility um, over a period Mm -hmm. of time. And he was working on that story or the story came after that period. So, you know, he was spending a lot of time in, in a nursing home with his mom. And I guess seeing, you know, the humiliation that they put these poor human beings through just because they're elderly. Um, you know, I guess he needed yeah. to, to make it, you know, make it less painful. And even, you know, like, <laughs> as Chris Campbell says, like, you know, uh, it's about a guy with, you know, cancer on his penis. <laughs> get, <laughs> get, get past your cancer on the penis. Oh my God. That's yeah. thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for being <laughs> so cool. It's funny because I know Joe has said that like he honestly didn't think anyone could make a movie of that. And um, Don Coscarelli asked him if he would write the script. And he said, I don't think you can make a movie out of it. And Don wrote the script. And Joe's like, huh. <laughs> like, <"It> <laughs> That's work. hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. So um, I, I, I'm going to wrap it up here with you. But I, my last question is, or kind of a comment, and I really was just happy to see this, was I never realized just how his entire family are creators and artists and writers. And it was so neat to see that he had inspired them all to do that. And they just kind of have become the Lansdale unit of, you know, artists and writers. I think that is just so neat that you, you, you represented that and showed that in there as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's fascinating, you know, talking to Keith, who's a brilliant writer and director and Casey is a brilliant writer. She's, you know, a yoga teacher. She's an incredible singer. Uh, I mean, they all are just, you know, incredibly talented family, you know. Um, and I think Karen keeps the whole thing running, you know, <laughs> his wife. And, you know, um, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting family. And uh, they're all really lovely people. And I really wanted to, you know, do justice to them because they were so kind to me. I mean, they were really everyone, even his niece, everyone was like so willing to talk to me and send photos and, you know, they were very generous. So like I have a lot of respect for that family and would do anything for them. That's fantastic. So uh, Hansi, I want to give you the chance to tell everybody where they can see this movie um, held to the popcorn King. Uh, where can they find it? How will it be available? And where, um, where can they find it basically? Well, we don't know yet. <laughs> ah, I know but it's showing now, festivals, right? Yeah, we've um, we've had a couple of offers for distribution. Um, we're, we're giving it some, as Joe suggested, be patient. You know, you'll you'll you can get better offers. So I, I'm trying to do that, although it's hard because my first instinct is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Never take please, the first offer. <laughs> no, like, and you know, I've I've made mistakes in the past, taking the first offer and had gotten involved in bad deals. So, like, I'm really trying to to find the right home for this, you know. And I'm hoping it ends up on something like Shutter or Netflix or, you know, one of those. But, um, you know, you'll hear about it. I mean, I'll post the hell out of it once we're, you know, 
Fantastic. Well, we'll once we we'll, get an offer, and you know, if you know anybody who does distribution and want to spread the word, please do. You got it. Well, Hansi, this was a fantastic movie. I hope everybody gets to see it. Anybody that's a fan of just weird, wonderful, not just splatter punk, but just every because Joe is just basically every genre all together. Yeah. And and, yeah. and well done at and that. Not, and and what's so weird is like I can't believe I mean there are people who know Joe Lansdale immediately you know and all the writers do but you know <laughs> just as a household name like so many times I had to explain who he was you know and it was like I can't understand how you could not know someone who's written this much and you know there's been movies made and but um and I think he's kind of okay with that you know he doesn't really <laughs> care if he he you know if he had if he had chosen one genre he probably would have been like Stephen King but but to do what he wanted to do, he did it his way, and um, you know I got to respect him for it. For like you know the art is more important than anything else. You know I have you know my home, my family, the basics. You know doesn't live like a really you know rich life. He's just comfortable. But you know what's important is making the work and supporting your family. And, you and know? he's content. And happy. He's he's incredibly happy yes he's a very happy person. yeah awesome well Hansi thank you so much again and thank you for giving us a peek into his life and sharing him with us because that was I I just loved it I just want to give him a hug one day I'm just going to randomly find him and go I'm giving you a hug and he'll be like oh yeah I, I need the police really, yeah. <laughs> he, he would not mind at all he's a sweetheart you know he's so yeah. good well thank you so much and you you have a great um great uh time with this i hope to see more from you and stay safe all right oh thank you so much you too it's been a pleasure talking to you and thanks for having me on <laughs>